0: the Good Samaritan, I've gleaned some insights from a pastor named Bob Roberts, and so I want to give credit where credit is due. It's a powerful parable that we're going to lean into today, and there are plenty of perspectives. Uh, We only have time to look at two of them today, but there are, of course, different ones than I'm going to highlight. In context, the parable of the Good Samaritan can correct our hearts, and every single one of our hearts need correction. Uh, at times. God is a Father, and He knows how to discipline us, not from anger, but from love, from righteousness. So today's parable can correct our hearts. It can correct the heart of the church. But out of context, if we don't understand this story in context, it can actually push us further towards becoming self-righteous or judgmental. And self-righteousness and judgment are two things that are wreaking havoc in the world today, and so I'm just going to go on record as saying none of us desire to grow in self-righteousness and judgment. Um, those are things that none of us should desire, so this parable is going to speak to us today. A bit of the backstory, just before we read it is a lawyer has a conversation with Jesus, and they are looking for validation. Everyone say Validation. Usually when we're speaking for someone, we're looking for some form of validation. Do you understand? Do you hear? Um, can you respond? So we're looking for validation. So this is happening as a lawyer is having a chat with Jesus, having a conversation with Jesus, but they're looking for validation in their belief. If I could do something visually, you're going to have to use an imagination here, but if I could, I would, on one side here, I would put a line down with tape, and I would mark it off over to here. So I want you to imagine that uh, the lawyer is on one side and Jesus is on the other side, and what the lawyer is essentially saying to Jesus is, here is my perspective on who is a neighbor. Are you on my side? This is what he's asking him. The lawyer is essentially saying, there is no way that I can be a neighbor to everyone. So, he has a limited understanding of who he's called to love, who is his neighbor. In other words, here's, how I tr- here's who I treat with kindness, and here's who I can be indifferent towards. This is the context of the story that Jesus is going to give in regards to the Good Samaritan. Now, the basis for the lawyer's understanding is Leviticus 19, how Israelites should treat One another. And a little bit more backstory, just before we read is from Jerusalem to Jericho was known as a very treacherous and dangerous route. And so for somebody to travel it alone, they were already taking a tremendous risk. That's important for a little subtext, a little note that we're going to pull out momentarily. So here's what I would say. The lawyer is looking for confirmation and Jesus is offering transformation. In my life and yours, oftentimes when we pray or when we speak or when we engage, what we are looking for is Jesus to affirm us, our beliefs, what we think, and oftentimes it can be congruent with God's Word, but sometimes our thoughts, our beliefs, our feelings, we are looking for Jesus to affirm us, and He is going to offer us something different, which is transformation, and it may not be that we have the whole thing wrong, but we have the heart of it wrong, and we're going to dig into that now. And so what Jesus does in this parable has a striking similarity to his Sermon on the Mount. He is going to fulfill the law, so he's going to fulfill all of Leviticus while simultaneously raising the bar to speak to issues of the heart. How many of you know that you can have the letter of the law right and the heart of it can be completely wrong? Let me give you a clarified example. I can use words... With you that are not offensive, yet simultaneously I can be offended with you in my heart. So the words that I'm using are not offensive, but what is under the surface is offense. So I have the letter of it right, but not the right heart. I don't know if you've ever seen a child in kindergarten when their teacher says, You're gonna do this, and the kid goes, Uh uh-uh. uh. And the teacher says, you're going to do this. And then they sort of lovingly make the kid do it. They can get compliance, but not necessarily heart transformation. So in other words, on the outside, I can be giving you what I want. But on the inside, I'm like, not a chance. This is what Jesus is driving at. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's the question he asks Jesus. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, how many of you know that when you ask a simple question and you get a story, you're in it? You're in it. When you ask your parents a simple question, kids, and you get a story, you is in it. Who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed him, or departed, excuse me, leaving him half dead. That half dead is really important. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, also passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, everyone say a Samaritan. Samaritan. Yes, this would have been offensive. It would definitely be an offensive to Jewish people having Jesus interject a Samaritan Which of these three do you think, watch what Jesus does. The first, the lawyer says, who is my neighbor? Now Jesus is going to elevate it and say, it's not just defining who's your neighbor. It is what does it look like to be a good neighbor? I'm not just going to tell you who, I'm going to get to the why and the how. Which of these three do you think, Jesus said, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers and he said the one who showed him mercy and Jesus said you go and do likewise now in the story there's a priest and according to the law of Leviticus a priest could not touch a corpse Touching a corpse, except if it was a family member, would render them unclean for seven days. And this would mean that they could not fulfill their priestly duties. And the parable says, now by chance, a priest was going down that road. Jesus doesn't tell us where they are and where they were going or why they were on that road, but he does tell them it was not by intention, They just happened to be or stumble upon or be at a place where something unjust had occurred. The priest did not intentionally seek it out. It was by chance. And it says that the priest saw him. And when he saw somebody from a distance who looked half dead, he passed by on the other side. Now in the identical law, if the man was not dead, and in the story Jesus makes it clear, he's half dead, but he's not dead, then the priest had a higher law. Everyone say a higher law. Spirit, there's the letter of the law, and then there's the heart of the law. There was a higher law that he should, and he must stop what he was doing, and provide assistance to the man who is in need. So we can say in one way, the priest who is being faithful to his priestly duties, his faithfulness brings him close to the problem and his mercy is awakened and he can see that there is a, he's close enough to see that the man is in pain. However, the priest passes by on the other side demonstrating a true lack of compassion and a desire for justice. It is interesting if you put the parable in a beautiful context where he sees that there is somebody in distress, but he sees from a distance, and when he sees the pain of what is, he begins to get more distance between him and the pain. He creates more distance, perhaps Jesus begins to address the lawyer because the lawyer at the beginning of the parable says, the lawyer is trying to justify himself. And so maybe Jesus is beginning to go after one of his justifications. It is one thing to look at somebody and see that they're half dead, but how many of you know that you're gonna have to get awfully close in proximity to be able to see if somebody is not half dead, but if they're still breathing. You're going to have to risk proximity to pain and a problem to get closer, to see what is really occurring. And we see in the story that the priest, again, can demonstrate mercy and faithfulness, that it brings them closer to the proximity of the problem and pain, but where we lack compassion and a heart for justice to engage the full complexity of a situation, oftentimes it can lead us to, in, to ways in which that show we are not being the neighbor to one another that we could be. By a show of hands today, in this cultural moment, whether it is in person or online, does anybody have anyone in their life who, who they are absolutely bugging the living life out of you? Can I see your hands, please? Anybody here in any intense disagreements with other people? Not this church, but you know what? We need to send this to other churches. They need this. They need to be more like us. We're not the problem, we're the solution. The other churches in the city just doesn't know it. Every single one of us is called by God. The moment you give your life to Christ, you're given a ministry of reconciliation. So every problem in the world is an opportunity for the healing power of Jesus. I am not saying that every problem in the world is your problem, but I'm saying within the capital C church and the largeness of the body of Christ, God has given us ample means to not only be faithful, and to not only be merciful, but also to be compassionate to those who find themselves victims of an unjust situation, wounded in life. We can see pain and problem, but here's the challenge. Just like the priest, we can stop short of sacrificial provision. The priest had, as we're gonna see in just a moment, the priest had the ability to minister into this moment, but for some reason disqualified themselves or justified it to themselves that this issue is not my problem. And Jesus is just highlighting that this is something that you and I can do. Once again, it's not enough that we hear pain or that we see problems. It's that we move towards sacrificial provision. What is provision? Provision is using what God has given you to a current situation. You may bring prayer to it. You may bring wisdom to it. Like in the story, you may have an animal like a donkey and you can load it on it or load it into a car. I can do this, I can do that. It may not solve the whole problem, but it begins to minister. It begins to step out of it. You and I are stewards. Every single one of us are stewards. God has provided us time and talent and treasure, and we can use that on our own lives and our own story and our own benefit, therefore ignoring everyone around us, or we can sacrificially use those things to be a blessing to others. And this is what Jesus is saying, that we can't use the justification like the priest did. Next up is a Levite. And Levite and priests are very, very close. They're both from the tribe of Levi, priestly descendants of Aaron, And Levites, Levites, excuse me, assisted priests in sacrifices, usually in preparing the sacrificial animal and grains. It's quite interesting. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, you see all the various tribes and people groups of Israel. uh, They receive an inheritance. Everyone say an inheritance. But the tribe of Levi is unique. All the other tribes receive an inheritance, which is a bordering of land. This is your land, and some had springs, and some were desert, and some were great, and some were not so great. But they all received an inheritance, except the the tribe of Levi. Theirs was unique. In Joshua 13, verse 33, it says this, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance. So this is now where the parable starts off around self-justification with a priest, and now it's going to go a little bit deeper, because the Levite, very much like the priest, the Levite sees the problem, but also passes by on the other side. And the moment that the Levite passes by on the other side, his inheritance as a Levite, his inheritance is the Lord God himself. But here's what is true. The Levite now is not behaving as the Lord God himself. In other words, the inheritance that he receives, he is not using it to make a Jesus sized difference in this circumstance. And Christians in name can behave in a way that is unchrist like. Every one of us have that in common. All of us fall short here that we can pass by on the other side. But the Levite has a very interesting part within it because written into the Levite's understanding, it is this. The priest simply passes by on the other side. The Levite passes by on their side, and here's what he does. He passes the buck saying, well, actually, it's the priest's responsibility to do something about this. Isn't it easy to blame everyone and everything? It's much harder to take responsibility for what is. What can I do? And again, I may not be able to fix all of it, but God, what have you called me to do? I want to highlight something, and then I want to pull it back towards the end. In each of the parables that we've told this summer, including today, if you're here for the very first time, in every parable that Jesus tells, there are two simultaneous things that are occurring with one thread. The first is this. There's the parable that Jesus is telling and the implications thereof. So today, it's the Good Samaritan. But the second thing that is happening in every parable that Jesus told is this. There's the parable that Jesus is telling, which today is the Good Samaritan, and then there is the story of the one who is telling the parable whose life is actually fulfilling everything within it. And Jesus wants us to be able to see both of those things occurring. And this is where you and I, if we get the story wrong, see if we get the story and we say, well, priests are bad and Levites are bad, they are always bad, they always will be bad, and you need to become like the good Samaritan. And then the problem is that it's almost this works-based thing where I need to be good by my own behavior in comparison and contrast to the priest and the Levite which can make us actually judgmental and self-righteous towards others who don't see things the way that we see things. And this can speak to us today because there are many in the world today, in the church, outside the church, online, in person, everywhere, who are compassionate, who see both the pain and the problems in society, whether they are individual or societal or systemic in nature. Yet here's the thing, here's the challenge when we pass the buck, when we become self-righteous and judgmental, here's the challenge. We can see the pain correctly, we can see the problem correctly, but if the spirit in which we live with is harsh, judgmental, and critical, and it lacks kindness towards others who may see it different from us, or who have different purpose, this becomes problematic. How many of the world's got lots of problems? Here's some people sit with me and they say, "I I don't know what my I don't know what my purpose is." Let me give you a hint. Find, pick a problem and start there. Well, I don't know which one. Just pick one. There's lots, but here's what's true. The more you pick a problem, even if the problem is your purpose, you are gonna rub shoulders with people who have a different problem and a different purpose that they are called to. And in the tension and the friction of like, well, this is more important, then this is more important, then this is more important. No, this is the most important thing. This is where we devour one another. This is where we live with that horizontal line all the time. But 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 12 says that we're a body, that we are joined together, that God has given each of his gifts. And they may not be the same gift, but we all have gifts. We all have burdens. We're all blessed by burdens. It's all got to get done, but you can't do it all. We need one another. And here's what we can do as followers of Christ. Somebody's pain and problem may be wrapped up into a purpose over here, and yours may be wrapped up over here. Here's what you can do to partner with somebody else is you can say to them, I can unite in prayer with you for that. And church, prayer is never a last resort. It is a primary weapon, it is a primary calling. Never view prayer through the lens of this. Well, if I can't do anything else, at least I can pray. Don't devalue prayer in that way. When you and I pray, to the God who is in heaven. How many of you know that we are talking to the one who cares more about the brokenness on earth than we ever will? We unite our hearts, but maybe we can do more Maybe your purpose is over here and their purpose is over there and yes, we can pray for them. But maybe you can give a few bucks here and they can give a few bucks there. Maybe you can serve a little bit here and it doesn't mean that you have to do everything but that which you can do to be a part of the problem, you will. Some of you need to bring wisdom or prophetic insight. Some of you, it's discernment. Some of you, it's just to listen. Just listen. Oh, here's a revelation. You don't have to share every thought that comes into your head on social media. You don't have to do it. Another one. You don't have to be the corrector of every one in person and online. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's really good at them. Good at that. Let's have faith that he's going to do it. Now, sometimes we got to use words and sometimes we got to engage I'm not being foolish there but it's important. Mercy brings the priest and the Levite close to the pain and the problem, but it falls short of justice and it falls short of compassion. And here lies a man in the story that Jesus tells who, is, who has unjustly fell among robbers, is stripped, is beaten, is half dead, but according to Genesis, this man is created in the image and likeness of God, just like you and just like me. Now, Jericho to Jerusalem was really a treacherous, treacherous, treacherous time. And so, it doesn't say this, so we have to be very cautious. Where the Bible shouts, we shout. Where the Bible whispers, we whisper. And where the Bible is silent, We're silent. And in this instance, though, you can infer as fellow human beings, how many of you know that we can tend to be a little bit self-righteous and judgmental? Especially when people do dumb stuff. (laughs) Like walking from Jericho to Jerusalem alone? Dumb stuff. We can tend to be judgmental. We can tend to base whether or not we're going to help somebody based on how deserving they are. Now I'm not talking about boundaries. I'm not those are all good things. But Jesus is speaking again to heart issues and this is one of them. You know, one of the things that we're wrestling through today in our cultural moment is this horizontal line of whose side is Jesus on? We don't often ask it, like, whose side is Jesus on, but we ask it, whose side are you on? Haven't you noticed that humanism always draws a line and it always draws a value line? Unborn life, rights of the woman, between different tribes and ethnicities, rich and poor, gay, straight, left or right you voted for whom <laughs> your per, your pandemic perspective is the lawyers doing the same thing he's inviting jesus to be on his side But I want you to know it's not about getting Jesus on our side. It's about us being reconciled to His. And that if we forever live in the horizontal space, we will forever devour one another. Yet God responds or the Scriptures respond that all human life has value, each one created in the image of God. Within Jewish culture, there were priests, there were Levites, and then, of course, there were Jewish people. And in this story, Jesus casts the Samaritan as the one who is proving to be a good neighbor. And the Samaritan would have been known to the Jewish people as the ultimate outsider, the last one who they would have ever expected. Yet in doing so, in Jesus casting the good Samaritan in the story as the ultimate neighbor, In the story that he is telling, he is pointing, not arrogantly, but he is pointing to himself. Because here's what I want you to know, is that Jesus is the ultimate outsider in the story. The one telling the story is the one who he is pointing everybody in the story, including the lawyer and those listening to him. But but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Those two words I'm going to pick up on in just a second. Hold oil and wine in your head. Then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. In this story that Jesus tells, the Samaritan is the most unlikely, he's the outsider, he's the least expected, yet he's the only one who displays a kingdom worldview of faithfulness and of mercy and of justice. Faithfulness that he saw him and had compassion on him and went to him. The priest and the Levite had faithfulness and so did the Samaritan, but the Samaritan took it one step further. The Samaritan has mercy, and he binds up his wounds. Jesus says that the Samaritan has oil and wine. Do you know who else had a ton of oil and wine on them at all times because it was in what they were required to do? Priests and Levites. Priests and Levites, in the sacrificial things that they do, would have access to oil and wine in abundance. One of the things that Jesus is saying to us maybe as followers of Christ is stop looking for what you don't have and start with what you do have and what you do have, trust it to me and watch what I can do. You may look at a problem and it is too big, it's too large, it's too layered, It's it, the, the consequent, I mean the layers of it, the complexity of it, it makes your head spin. And everything there is a spiritual intimidation for you to do nothing, to pass by on the other side. But like I already said, when you see something like that, you can immediately begin to pray. And that is something that you can begin to do. You can open your heart to say, God, what else would you have me do? What provision have you given to me that provides Perhaps you may want me to use in this circumstance or situation. What have you asked me to do? What can I do? When you pass somebody who's homeless, oh, don't give them money. Oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do that. Anyone you pass, pray, ask God, what do you want me to do? I began to do that. And guess what? Turns out God wants you to do more than just pass by on the other side. And it's really uncomfortable. But God may ask you to do something. He may ask you just to pray. Or he may ask you to do something else. Oil is also known as anointing. And let me tell you something. In Christ, you have a ministry of reconciliation. You have spiritual gifts. And you are anointed to make a Jesus size different in situations and circumstances. Not all of them, but some in particular. Wine represents what Jesus has done for us in an extraordinary way. We'll do communion in just a moment. So, if you have your elements, you're going to want to find those. And the last thing we see the Samaritan is we see his heart for justice. The Samaritan says to the innkeeper, Whatever you spend in making him whole, I will repay you. Because what is it in this world that is only horizontal? What is it to be healed and free of a sickness to step into crushing debt that may not be as life-threatening as being beaten, but is absolutely life-sucking from us? We see here in the story that the Samaritan cares not about the temporary need, but that the man walks out from that inn not only healed, but free. God cares not simply about faithfulness. He cares kingdom worldview is faithfulness. It is mercy, and it is also justice. So when our world cries for justice, as the church, let's not close our ears. It is the righteous cry of a people who've experienced injustice. Loved ones, to meet our cultural moment, what is needed is for the church of Jesus Christ to reclaim a worldview of faithfulness and of mercy and of justice. And this is where we need to zoom out. As I mentioned a moment ago, the parables we have taught through this summer hold that identical thread. There are the stories that Jesus is telling and the one that his life wrote and is writing in ours. If you will allow me a moment of honesty, I'll take it. The truth is... When I read the story of the Good Samaritan, I've been every character in the story, except one. Sometimes I love you like a Samaritan. And Sometimes I behave like a priest. I've been a Levite and here's who else I've been. I've been the man wounded. And with my words, I've been the one wounding. And so have you. And if the story is just be like the good Samaritan, which yes, Jesus is talking about it, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, no question. But the additional thing is, look at the cross you do not only see a horizontal line you see a vertical one as well and that according to Jesus if you don't first look to who we are before our righteous and holy God if we don't recognize that every single one of us like the man was in need we too are in need of grace grace and of saving, because Jesus ends. If you read the autobiography, the Bible, of the one who told this parable, you know what you'll discover? You'll discover Jesus being faithful, merciful, and just to priests, to Levites, to people who are wounded, and Jesus takes it one step further. Jesus is faithful and merciful and loving, To those who do the injustice to others. There's a thief crucified beside him. And in that moment, the thief is 100% guilty of what he has done. And Jesus turns and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, loved ones, if you don't think the gospel is offensive, just wait until Jesus saves someone that you believe is the least deserving of salvation. No, in the story, only Jesus ministers to each and every character within it. And it ends with Jesus saying, you go and do likewise. Which should leave the lawyer and everybody listening with this response. I can't. I can't be a good neighbor to everyone. To which Jesus would reply, oh but in me and in me alone, all things are possible. And so at the intersection of wounds, injustice and indifference is Jesus. And Jesus sees pain and problems and is our ultimate provision. Church, Jesus more than crossed the street. He came from heaven to earth. Jesus more than paid a natural price. Gave his life. And so for those of us maybe today who are caught in playing some worldly who's a better neighbor game, let's just knock it off. And let's just play a higher game that according to Jesus, we are all in need of healing that our exclusive good father provides. And then healed people Let us then be wounded healers in the lives of others.